What's up, filmmakers and moviegoers? This is Zach and... And this is Eric. Trying to copy me. I'm not copying you. This is my normal voice. There it is, already into a Marvel <laughs> reference. As soon as we start, we're back. Uh, it's been a busy busy couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. we, we released last episode. Uh, it was kind of like a special episode called From the Bin. And um, that video will be up shortly, um, hopefully this week before Thanksgiving. Give you guys something to watch if you're interested in that. But this week, um, we're going to talk The Mandalorian. And Ford versus Ferrari, or if you're in Europe, Le Mans '66. Um, it was bef- still Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, even for the European. I think the name, except it would be Ferrari versus Ford. Right. <laughs> I, I like the first. Le Mans '66 name mm-hmm. as a title better than Ford versus Ferrari, because mm-hmm. even though it was kind of Ford versus Ferrari, it's not like it's not uh, cutting back. Anyways, we'll, t- we'll talk about it in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I almost got into it too Lord. soon, too yeah. soon, Zach. Um, but before we get into any of that, let's talk about what we've been watching. So Eric, what have you been watching? Oh man. Have I been watching all kinds of goodies? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. Disney plus launched. Yep. Um, 10 million subscribers in the first day. Yeah. And then had some issues apparently a little bit, but they, <laughs> but in, in all honesty though, I'm surprised how quickly they did get it up and running. I mean, it was ready to go that evening. Like yeah. other launches. I mean, granted it is Disney. It should have been ready to go from the beginning, but yeah, I was surprised. And you know, when you, when you're onboarding 10 million people to your platform in a day, that's, that's a lot. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if they anticipated that or not, or if it was just an oversight, or if it was just, you know, what the issue was. I'm sure but, they anticipated 10 million, but not in a single day. Yeah. They were probably expecting, like, I don't know, a couple million at like midnight or whatever. Yeah, perhaps. But it just didn't, yeah, everyone was on at once, it seemed sure. like. And, yeah. and that was it. So, well, and then, uh, you know, and if you're on Verizon, you got a free access oh, really? for a year. Oh, and so that probably they probably should have maybe tiered those rollouts. Yeah, <laughs> so waited for that until yeah. like next month, maybe. Yeah, or at Ooh. least a few weeks, right? Yeah, sure. Gosh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So not only Verizon members, but then people that just signed up normal like me. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, what have you been watching on Disney Plus then? Um, well, the thing that everybody's watching on Disney Plus. Mandalorian. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the whole reason why I would say probably seven of the 10 million are on there for. Yeah. Uh, It's been, it's been fun watching it. Yeah. uh, Which we'll talk about more in a a second, but uh, it actually made me go back and watch other Star Wars. Yes. um, Which I didn't, I didn't anticipate. Um, this is exactly what Disney's hoping for, though, is that yeah. the people that didn't like The Last Jedi are going to get right back into it. Mm-hmm. And so I went Which back. Which it isn't on there. No, it's the, it's a whole licensing yeah, thing. Yeah, the same with thing with Infinity and, War. Yeah, Infinity and War's Ragnarok's not on there. And I'm like, wait. <gasps> yeah, it's I, weird. I, I sat down, I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch all the Avenger movies all together. And then I'm like, eh, maybe I don't have time for that. Maybe we'll just do a, a Infinity War and yeah. Endgame. And I'm like searching and certain. And right. I'm like. You and could then, have popped over Netflix. I did. Yeah. And then I didn't watch it. And then you didn't do it. <laughs> Typical. Uh, yeah. I mean, the licensing thing is, is a bummer. I guess they're going to have a bunch of things uh, that leave Disney Plus in January, go back to Netflix for a year, and right. then leave Netflix in a year and come back to Disney. It's so weird. And then Infinity War apparently is coming in June. 
of next year. That's random. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, whenever the license agreements become, right. you know, negotiable or, or they're, they're out, then right. that's when they are going to go. But. but I went back and I watched Solo. Um, I, what? I, I, I know. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Of all the Star Wars properties and you watch Solo. Here's the thing is there's this. This better be good. There's a, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's going to be that good, but uh, there is this kind of, there's a look and a feel to the Mandalorian, like the way it's shot. I think it's Alexa 65, if not Alexa LF, um, that I really enjoy that look. And it and Rogue One and Solo both were shot on the Alexa 65. Uh-huh. So they have a certain aesthetic Okay. that I kind of really love about them. So you could have watched Rogue One. I did also. Oh, okay. Yeah. All so right. uh, yeah, let me let me preface this by saying I watched all of the new Star Wars that aren't of like, you know, the Skywalker trilogy or whatever yeah. uh, saga. And but I'm watching Solo and not as bad as I remembered. Uh-huh. Um I I remembered I remember enjoying it for the most part the first time I watched it. Uh-huh. Um but it was very much like we didn't need this. This didn't need to have. If this was right. different characters, I would have right. probably enjoyed it more. Right. With having these new experiences with new characters, and uh, it maybe would have worked better as a Disney Plus TV show. You know, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, okay, I give you that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Alden, uh, the the actor that plays um, Han Solo in this, not as off putting and annoying as I remembered him being in the theater. I don't know if my home theater has like, well, I, I mean, I do know I, my home theater has a different EQ, different mix than obviously a theater, but I remember in the theater, like him being, it just seems so nasally and just very not Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. And we've had Harrison Ford in movies for 50 years now. And it's like, you know what Harrison Ford sounds like. Right. And he's so much attached to that Han Solo character. So I remember yeah. that just being the most off putting thing in the movie but there's so much of that movie that I think is just like it's it's a lot of really great ideas and a lot of fun set pieces. Like the train heist is really cool. I think that works really well still. And again, just going back to the aesthetic, like and w- I remember watching the theater and think, gosh, this movie's dark. But watching it at home, I don't know. I mean, it, it looked great. Um, I I don't I just I just don't remember it being as is. It just ended up not being as bad as I remembered it being. Yeah, I guess is what I'm saying. I know you watched it on a plane, so yeah, that's, a, that's a whole yeah. other experience. It was, but it was a what seven or nine inch screen that. and the headrest, yeah. and I'm like, oh uh, yeah, right. But and, and again, I so I think fair enough. I had a lot of prejudices going into this. Sure, I'm like, no, we don't need a solo story, and we solo's still character is better with the mystery. Yeah, which is. Uh, in alignment with the whole Yoda thing, right? So Which Lucas we'll talked into, about, yeah. Yo, you know, he's like, no, Yoda is a mysterious character. His origins are mysterious, and that's oh, what oh, lands, yeah, Lucas, yeah, right. You know, and so it was like, um, that that same backstory mystery makes solo who he is right um 
and you have a couple little snippets, you don't need to see them make the castle run. You don't no. need, you know, it's... I, I, I like not knowing about it. I, there's so many things... There's an endearing element yeah. to it to, that to leave it, which right. I think for me is why I had such a bad... It was like, it was a bad taste in my mouth, but right. for, it was like, I, no. I would have... What I would have liked about this movie is if it wasn't just like solo the origin movie yeah about like how he gets his name how he gets his blaster how chewy gets his nickname how he gets the millennium falcon like i would have been fine with maybe one of those things right but then just making it a story about just an adventure that han and chewy are on instead of like how han and chewy meet which i think is probably the main thing they nail in this i actually think that's a really good like the chemistry and the writing and the blocking and stuff is all very much like Han and Chewie in that whole scene. Yeah. Um, until he starts speaking um, Wookiee. Mm-hmm. Like, and then I'm just like, ah, that's just, this feels really weird. Yeah. But for the most part, that scene is like, it feels very on brand with the Han and Chewie characters. But I would have loved for Solo to have just been this adventure that wasn't just these kind of ham-fisting moments of, here's here's his gun here's how he got his last name like i didn't i don't need all of that right yeah he just just give me yeah give me drop me in the middle of something that's already going on yeah. he's already in stop and maybe maybe show how he learns to i do like the element of like the shooting first thing because mm-hmm. at the end you know he kills um i can't remember that character's name and i just watched it yesterday but Guido. Uh, no, but at the end of Solo, he kills um, Woody Harrelson's character. Oh, right, By right, just right, shooting. Right. Like, there yeah. is no shoot first or whatever. It's just he just shoots him. And it's a nice little callback to A New Hope. But at the same time, like, that's kind of a neat character piece because he kind of learns in that moment, like, where he gets that kind of attitude from. And then maybe give me that and then why he has the Millennium Falcon. Because you need that Lando. I, I do like Donald Glover as Lando. I think yeah, he's great in dude, it. Dude, that was, uh, yes. Talk about perfect casting. But yeah, I'd like to see more of that. Yeah. That, that, I walked away from that going, I want to see a Lando right. movie with Donald Glover. And I think they that, talked about it, yeah. but it solo just underperformed. And then the Last Jedi stuff, you know, being split um, with fans, like they just, they, they canceled everything. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and I don't see Donald Glover going to Disney Plus anytime soon. No, he's he's a little big for that, I think now. But uh, overall, Solo not as not as egregious as I remember it being. But um, which they they temporarily shelved Kenobi, but it's back on. Yeah, and apparently Ewan's known about it for years. Yeah, they've been talking to him about it for a long time, and. I'm excited for it. Um, you know, we, we brought up the Mandalorians while we're talking about this, but one of the directors of the Mandalorian who did episode three, I think her name is uh, Deborah Chow. I might be wrong on that. Um, she's directing all the episodes of Obi-Wan as far as I know, um, or she's show running. I can't remember, but either way I'm excited for that show. Yeah. I think that's right on the money. Like that's a mm-hmm. really good idea to have a limited series with Ewan yep. um, being Obi-Wan. Like that's, that's, the right idea yeah right there I, yeah. I really do especially like with how good the mandalorian is mm-hmm. oh man um but yeah mandalorian's doing exactly what disney wanted it to do it's well and they put john favreau on yeah, it and i know it's 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 like he's got the midas touch right you know and i don't i don't want to discount feloni um feloni is you know he, he was 
labeled as George Lucas's protege, and he's the main voice behind the old uh, Star Wars, the Clone Wars animated series, and he very much knows Star Wars, understands Star Wars. If anybody should have maybe been put in charge of Lucasfilm, or at least Star Wars, it probably should have been him. Um, and But Favreau, like, kind of coming out of nowhere, um, at least in the Star Wars respect, yeah, has been great. Yeah, um, I think it's a really smart choice. Um, two guys that are clearly very passionate about Star Wars. Yeah, coming in and uh, and doing this, and um, it, I mean we're three episodes into the Mandalorian now, and it's definitely it's taken back everything. Okay, let me ask you this: Did you wait until three a.m. when they released it to watch? Did you? Did you no in the middle of the night? No, yeah. I, I watched it that evening. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't wait. I, well, yeah. actually, I I probably would have watched it that morning. Like at six a.m., but mm-hmm. I couldn't get onto Disney Plus. <laughs> the app kept crashing. Oh, so yeah, well, I, could, I couldn't even get on. But we, <laughs> we watched it that night. It was fine. Everything was fine. So we watched it, and um, and then now, yeah, we're in episode three now. Um, without getting into spoilers, because I know a lot of Europe doesn't have this yet, although it's all over the internet. Um, and so yeah, I mean, we could give a spoiler alert. Cause we could, but do you want to talk about it there's, before? There's two words that y- yes summarize. I know. I know. <laughs> let's let's wait. Well, let's wait one second. Let's talk about. I want to talk about nostalgia, and yeah. and the creative process. Okay, nostalgia in my house this week yeah. with the Disney Plus thing has oh. been Hannah Montana. Oh boy, and um and Zach and Cody. <laughs> okay, I've, yeah. So my and not just. My young, so my my youngest daughter Sydney had a birthday. Yeah, uh, over the over the weekend, um, last weekend, and my oldest daughter came home and surprised her with um, with her cousin. Nice. And so, you know, all three girls were hanging out watching Disney Plus, and it was literally it was <laughs> Hannah Montana and Zach and Cody. Oh my gosh! All all weekend long. Yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> so they were. I'm like. And it's funny because it's still in the in the four by three. It's in the four by three. Yeah, right. I'm like, oh, they just slapped it oh, in there. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, there's no digital restoration yeah. to any of these. Yeah, it's been it's been a trip. Like, I don't know why Disney just. I've been watching the Imagineering uh, oh, documentary. Yeah. yeah, I watched that too. So it's. By the way, if you haven't watched it and you have Disney Plus, like you need to watch this documentary. It's a, it's a multi-part series. It comes on a new episode every Friday, and it's so good. Yeah, and it gets into especially the first episode, like the why Walt Disney does things the way that he did, and so much of it was about having an emotional connection. Yeah, and so he was like, you know, whenever somebody comes to Disneyland they need to have this emotional connection to that property that they fell in love with on the yeah. screen. Yeah. Um, and it's so like apparent that it's succeeded because we, I mean, we immediately threw on as soon as the Mandalorian was over, we threw on the um, lady in the tramp remake, mm-hmm. which is like this live action CGI hybrid remake. And it's, I'm not going to say it's like the best movie in the world, but, I'll be damned. Like if it didn't just throw me immediately in nostalgia because it's so like, it's so quintessential Disney. Yeah. It's wholesome and adorable and it puts you in a, like a warm space, you know? And I don't know why Disney has been able to do that so much better than anyone else. 
Because, I mean, other companies, yeah. Hanna-Barbera, everybody has these animated properties, but they just don't do it the same way. Yeah, they're sitting in an archive somewhere, yeah. and, and you don't have access to it. One of the first things that uh, my daughter watched, you know, again, I watch a lot of things by osmosis. Yeah. And especially she, now, she turns on, she's like, oh, Disney Plus, yes, you know, log in. First thing she turns on when she turns on Disney Plus is Cinderella. Like old school. Like old, like 1950, it was 1951, I think. Wow, yeah. When, when it was, um, no, 1950 is when that was made. And I'm watching it, you know, experiencing that nostalgia from, you know, behind the couch right. where she's sitting on the couch. And she asked, when was this made? And then she asked, when was... Um, Alice in Wonderland made. Oh right, yeah. And Alice in Wonderland was made nineteen fifty one. Okay. And and I'm like, nineteen fifty. And I'm watching the animation, and I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. Like to think about the technology that they didn't have. Right. And you're talking seventy years ago. Yeah. Like, whoa. And it's making that connection, that emotional connection yeah. to your thirteen year old daughter. Yeah. Who wasn't even a thought. In 1950, let alone you weren't even right, a yeah. thought in 1950. You know, it's just I don't even think my mom was born yet in 1950. I mean, it's crazy. No, she was maybe five or six. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know why. I don't know what the magic sauce is. That's yeah. I guess that's where I'm trying to get at. Is, um, you know, what, what is the magic sauce? What I think about? it's the storytelling. It's got to be. It's the storytelling. Yeah. It's it's the it's the very human, very you know, emotional, you know, like for Cinderella, it's, you know, a lot of little girls don't feel like they're, you know, they, they feel insecure. They don't, you know, and they're, and then they, they're waiting for this prince, you know, to come and, you know, and they dream about this big wedding. And, you right. know, it was funny just because I was at a wedding last night and it was like the Cinderella story yeah, being played out you know, 2019, but it's, you know, and so it resonates so well with, you know, right. young girls in that space in, in a very wholesome way. Sure. Um, and so it's such a metaphor for like love and, and happiness in a yeah. lot of ways. I mean, no matter, yeah. no matter who your Prince Charming is or, you know, what your situation is, you can, you still connect to that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting cause it's, it's all these, I mean, they really, st I mean, they, they, you know, went through the grim novels basically and, and made them their own, made them happy versions of all of it. But, sure. um, the fairy, t you know, the goose, mother goose fairy tales and all that, but you still connect with them. I, I, and they're still doing it now. And I think, you know, as watching the Imagineering documentary and there doesn't seem to be a better fit. And it seems like this was always meant to happen with them taking Lucasfilm and even Marvel, because it feels like those are two very on brand, you know, properties for Disney, uh, emotional storytelling. That's grand. This is very Marvel and adventure and excitement and emotional like connection with, with interesting characters that are unique is very Lucasfilm. Yeah. And it, it definitely makes sense that, they're all one company now. Yeah, I mean it's funny because you know, with Star Wars and the, that whole property um, and that franchise, it's you know in outer space. It's this crazy. You're creating new worlds. You're creating these 
um, outrageously wild alien type yeah. characters and different things of that nature. But the storytelling is so human. Right. Right. I mean, the emotion that every boy, young boy, finds themselves in, in Luke wanting to do something great and, you know, uh, um, take up arms against the white racist regime or something of that nature. I mean, basically, you know? right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, call back to lethal weapon there. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think, and that story is not a unique story. It, it's, it, it, what makes it unique is the names and the, and this, the way they tell it and all that. But, the the fundamental root of the emotional heartstrings that are pulled in that is is ageless. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what they're absolutely nailing with the Mandalorian. Yeah. So far. Yeah. Um is well, you know, interesting yeah. characters, interesting structure to a story and um and there's a and, and emotional you, moments. You know, you bring yeah. up nostalgia. It feels nostalgic because yeah. of the opening scenes of of Star Wars and New Hope are, you know, Luke on Tatooine and he goes into the town and there's Jawas and there's the whole, it, it has that, there, there yeah. are nods to that same feel, the, the cliff shots. Right. You know, the, the, the actual camera angles that they're using. Yeah. You know, that's what I've noticed a lot there. It's yeah. like that when, when, uh, um, uh, when they end up finding Obi-Wan for the first time, you know, Luke goes yeah. looking for uh, Ben Kenobi, you know, right. and that whole, the, in that, in that Canyon yep. fight thing. There, was, there's so much, there's so many yeah. similarities. I think it's, a lot of it has to do with like the why, the why, the why of why it's working so well for me is because it's more than just, we'll throw an X-Wing in there aren't you happy? Right. Which is kind of what the force awakens and the last Jedi kind of feels like is yeah. like, here's nostalgia. Aren't you happy? Right. Like this though is like, they actually, it actually really feels like, okay, why did star Wars work? Why does everyone love empire? Of, uh, you know, uh, uh, empire strikes back. And okay. How did those cinematographers, how did those, costume designers those the the ad like everybody how do they block these shots yes and yeah it's it feels like it's so much more created by the uh original group yeah of people you know yeah. um kirshner and, and lucas and uh, all those guys like it just feels very much like it could have been plucked right out of 83 or something you know yeah. right before or even right after you know return of the jedi yeah um and just, you know, with the ability to have the budget and, and to be able to slow down. And I, I'm really appreciating the slowdown. Um, mm -hmm. the, the, the short um, episodes. I mean, yep. th but they don't feel short. They're, they're telling well, that. Well, when I, the, I, I get to does, the end of it and I'm kind of like, come on, give me yeah, more. You want that binge watch. <laughs> yeah. I know I'm the same way. But I, I, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of liking that. I'm kind yeah. of, uh, again, that maybe that helps with the nostalgia. Yeah. Um, having that, you know, week to week feel again. And um, I don't know, it, it, it's definitely a return to form, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's new characters. Yes. He looks pretty much like Boba Fett. Yeah, I get that. But it's still overall, it's new characters. Um, 
new situations. Yeah, it kind of looks like Tatooine, even though it's not Tatooine. But you know, you know what? Earth only has so many different looking places to right, film. Yeah. So yeah, uh, and it was probably cheap to film in whatever Madagascarian desert they film this in. But yeah. uh, I, I love it. I think it's a definitely return to form, and I, I cannot wait to see where this goes. And they're already filming the second season. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I. I and to just show you, like, it made me go watch Solo again and Rogue One, which I love Rogue One. I think, yeah, I think yeah, Rogue, Rogue One's beautiful. Yes. Um, and there's a lot of Rogue One that works so well. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, we went and saw Ford versus Ferrari last night, and the Rise of Skywalker trailer, trailer played in front of it. And I got, I got, I actually got emotional. I actually got attached to it. And I'm like, ah, they got me. Like, ah, I had no desire. I had zero desire to see this. But, I know you were eye rolling like for the last month. But now I'm, yeah. but now I'm re-engaged. I'm reconnected yeah. to it. And, and I'm, and I think it's because the Mandalorian and Rogue One and even yeah. a little bit of Solo is just like, it's reminded me those things that I yeah. connected with it when I was a kid. And, uh, and well, I'm burying the lead here, but I got, I went to Disneyland last yeah, weekend yeah, you for did. my anniversary. And that didn't hurt. It didn't hurt either. That didn't hurt. Yeah. Cause, through. uh, galaxy's edge star yeah. Wars land basically is, uh, is freaking amazing. Yeah. And that I think is really helped too. So now like, so you being fully immersed oh in, the, in the millennium Falcon and oh, I mean fully, let me tell you <laughs> and in that I whole piloted the millennium. Yeah, Falcon. you did. Let me just say that. Yeah. Oh yeah, you did that by the way, if you're like, how good, how cool could it be? Go do it. Yeah, I'm. I'm like the only you, reason why I'm not is because I'm waiting for the next ride to open, which I is know. apparently coming in the late spring, January. Oh, it's, it's that January sixteenth, I think. Okay, cool. But go in the spring because it's going to be packed. Yeah, as soon as that one opens, because that one sounds crazy. It's like a escape room interactive, also ride thing. Like it, it's it's like a whole fifteen minute experience. I think like something like that. It's and crazy. again, here's Disney leveraging the the film properties. Yeah. and creating an experience. Like this is what they do. They they've they take their their film properties or their animated properties that, I mean, that's what he did back in the beginning. Right. Fantasy land and, and, and create yeah. these experiences that you've already become very familiar and attached to emotionally. And then you get to get immersed in it. Yeah. And that's why Disneyland works. Yeah. And it was so immersive. The okay. whole experience. I mean, even waiting in line is just, Here's, it's an immersive experience. Yeah, you told me about how walking through and just the detail yeah. in the trash can. And there's and the there's whole, a yeah. <laughs> there's a Disney Play app that or Disney Parks Play app that you can do where it's like because waiting in line is so long at Disney Parks and it's just the way it is, deal with it. Fast pass. There is well, yeah, it doesn't really work the way it used to, oh. but yeah. Um and there's not a fast pass for smugglers run yet. Um but with the app, there's this play app and you can actually play like different games on your phone per ride that you're with that, it, you know, go with it. And so there's these like QR codes throughout the, the, the waiting line on mm -hmm. different boxes and stuff. And you actually play like a smuggling game 
on your phone while you're doing that with the main character of that ride who is like leading you through the whole thing. Oh, and, and then he's it's giving you like, like notes a, and stuff, and he's like, "Hey, can you AR find it? On your yes. phone. Oh, that's cool. And it and it's really cool. And but here's the here's the weird thing, and I don't know if I'm projecting this or not. Or if this is actually technology that's being used, it wouldn't surprise me. I just haven't seen it written about anywhere. Mm-hmm. I After I downloaded the app and you log in, um, we rode the ride. We rode the ride, I think, three times in total. Yeah, you did. But after every time we <laughs> rode it, um, I, would, I would go back to that play app and I would have like smuggler run points. Oh, really? But I don't know how it's tracking you. Mm. that's what's creep like it's a little <laughs> creepy yeah because the first time we wrote it i was in, we were engineers so we sat in the mm-hmm. back row and then we had to push the buttons and everything and you got engineering points yeah and we got engineering points and then the th- the well do you scan anything that lets it lets the app know what what position because you can well, it sit is location, in different positions right, right? well yeah in so the, it's location services are on for the mm-hmm. app but I, I didn't i didn't have my phone I didn't have the app open while I was in the ride. It's in my pocket. Like, my phone turned off. And how would it know, though? Like, the seats are maybe a foot apart. How would it know to that specificity, like, where I'm sitting? Like, that's that's what's crazy to me is, like, is there some sort of... Maybe there's some sensor, sensor or something. That's what I, yeah, yeah. That, that's crazy. I don't know how. Anyways, maybe I'm just... But I it's might be, cool. It, I mean, it's cool if it is a thing. Um if it's not, and it's just coincidence that like every time I open the app, then I had more points after I literally just rode the ride. Like after the third time, I purposefully, like as we were walking out of the building, open the app and it says, you have new blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, yeah. how is this possible? So I'd be interested to see like what that's all about. And if there actually is like high scores or something for yeah. people. Okay. Um, here's something else that I saw on the interwebs was, they have SUV size drones that are that are made up to look like X wings, oh and they actually got clearance from the FAA to fly these drones, and they're doing tests right now. You can see over like, Disneyland, um, the the one in Disney World. Oh, okay. I, think. I was gonna say I didn't see any. Um, Disney World was the one that was was uh, specifically named well that um, makes sense because they own they own disney world like that that is their own town yeah if you watch that imagineering doc i, I didn't realize this but they it's their own municipal yeah, they, county and everything yeah, like they bought how many hundreds of acres yeah, yeah it was a lot and they created their own city and it's uh, it's apparently super energy efficient and yeah. they have their own water and electricity it, anyways it's crazy you got to watch that but but yeah so drones. life but life size like oh my they're gosh. massive and I'm like, I don't know if they're they're um, unmanned or if there's actually a pilot in it that flies. It's probably it. unmanned. But dude, I, the, it looks cool. If they can, okay. If they can, uh, if IBM or uh, Intel or whoever, I can't remember. I think it was Intel did those drone shows. Yeah, you know, in the sky yeah. at night, yeah. their lights. Yeah, for the Super it, Bowl, it couldn't yeah. be that difficult to program an x-wing to do like a takeoff flyover land takeoff flyover land that's a to me that's a pretty simple command line yeah like if they can program these rides to do this with 30 year old computers which they've updated now but then they should be able to do that with the drones it's not like it's having to 
do yeah, an I'm aerial sure. dogfight or something. No, but how I mean, cool but would it, that we'll be? Get there. We'll get with there. the Tie Fighters. Here's, here's the thing: is with the Disneyland, they had uh, like a sound system throughout the Galaxy's Edge area, mm-hmm. and you would hear Tie Fighters like fly over. Okay, that and, and it's in surround sound. So imagine they have right. a drone Tie Fighter full size fly over I'll when lose that, my mind. Yeah, that oh, that would dude. that would be so cool. And they're working on it. I don't and doubt it's it. Coming. I don't doubt it. Yeah, the detail is incredible. Um, you just feel like you're walking on set. Like, and what was amazing is, um, and I'll, I'll put a, a video on the Instagram, but I shot phone footage of us just walking through the millennium falcon before we before we go to our seats in the cockpit yeah you did and (laughs) yeah but the lighting in it and everything on my phone it looks cinematic yeah just because that's just the way how they lit it it back in the 70s when they made it yeah and uh it's it's incredible and I, i highly recommend it um watch the mandalorian you want to get into spoilers for the mandalorian now okay but before we do yeah okay <clears throat> you when i walked in after oh, into the here office, we go. no you asked me the question you're like so what do you think and i was like faith in star wars restored yes i it like i was i mean both of us we were we were kind of jaded and and oh yeah and it was like i mean eh. i still don't like the last i'm not about to go back on netflix and watch the last jedi not gonna lie i was looking for it but um uh yeah it's on netflix it's not on disney plus but just the the mandalorian and now obviously you being immersed in galaxy's edge that didn't hurt but i was like okay faith faith in the restored like it didn't feel like a bunch of suits sitting around a, a, right. a conference room table trying to figure out how yeah. can we milk this this franchise for more money. It feels like it's back in the hands of creators it, again. It, it felt like the, the, this is these are storytelling. This is yes, yeah. thank you, faith restored. Right. So, with that being said, spoilers for the Mandalorian spoiler alert. episode spoilers. one through three. Spoilers ahead for Mandalorian. Whoop. Whoop, whoop, spoilers ahead. If you have not seen Mandalorian, please press pause on this podcast. Go watch all three episodes of Mandalorian, or four, depending on which point that you are listening to this podcast. I don't think we're going to spoil four. I haven't seen it yet. No, but they might. That's true. They might see. I'll I'll leave this in. Oh, man, you totally ruined my alert, but okay. Still alerting. (laughs) Continue. Boop, boop, spoilers ahead. That's it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, as 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 the uh, alert system said, spoilers for episodes one through three. Um, go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say your two so words. So I walked into the office uh-huh. with everybody there, yeah. and I said two words: "Baby Yoda." Baby Yoda. Yep, you sure did. Yeah, <laughs> and you lost your mind. Well. <laughs> I lost my mind because there were two or three people in the vicinity that had not but seen it. But it was yet. all over the internet, man. Yeah. It was like, come on. If you and this was and this it wasn't like just two weeks ago. It, or yeah, a week ago. It was it was a week old at least. It was three days old. No, no, no. Yes, this no. was like Monday. No, right. What the episode mm-hmm. came out Friday. No, it was Tuesday. 
Either way. Because the first one dropped oh, Tuesday days. and the second one dropped on Friday. So well, I guess that's yes, true. it was it was a yeah, no. Well, anyways, <laughs> uh sorry to our coworkers that had baby Yoda spoiled <laughs> to them. Uh it's the most adorable well, thing in the world. But it, and apparently there was some you know, there's some back and forth about, you know, some people were calling it Yiddle, right? Like Yoda Little, little yeah, Yoda. Right. Um and then a bunch of people were so there was this polarization that was happening and and so the creators actually said until we if we tell yeah, you right. what the origin stories are or the species or anything that baby yoda is acceptable so baby yoda it is for now except we all know that it's not yoda right it's just another creature like him because he They was... just had to land on something for the toy marketing. Right, yeah. Because something's got to be on the packaging. I mean, right. and but I, and how I are they going to do that? the internet for... Oh, it's coming. Yeah. Oh, no, there's stuff out there. Yeah. There's a lot of Etsy stuff out there right now. That doesn't count. Which, do, you yeah. know, it's like custom handmade stuff. But right. There but wasn't... Disney already released a statement saying you'll have product by, by christmas. for christmas yeah, yeah like yeah. they are green lighting everything they can right now as fast oh, yeah, as possible they, of course of course gosh uh adorable of course again emotional storytelling uh you connect with it immediately because it's so freaking cute mm -hmm. um and then your mandalorian character you know you you see that he is more than just this bounty hunter yeah. Uh, you know, he's not, he's not. Well, and you're getting all the flashbacks every time he upgrades his armor. Right. So there's that. Yeah. You can tell that he's not a, uh, he's not an actual Mandalorian, I guess. I don't know what you would, uh, I mean, I guess he is a Mandalorian because there is no, like, so he was like, well, he's not a clone, I guess is what I'm getting right. At. He was a human raised by elves. What? <laughs> Kind of what is, what is that a reference to? Elf, of course. Oh my god! I mean, it's the season, right? So yeah, I, I mean, suppose so. <laughs> yeah, we we know how you feel about Elf. Yeah, we're gonna do an Elf episode. Yeah, fine. <laughs> Whatever. But, anyways, but yeah, so yeah. he like the origin. I mean, it's you get the idea. It's a flashback of he yeah. he was an orphan. Like what they is it? With, what is it with Star Wars and orphans? Like Star Wars, like Luke was an orphan. Uh, Anakin, Ray is an orphan. Anakin was know. kind of an orphan. I mean, he yeah. had a slave mom. So yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. <clears throat> what you know? Ray wasn't. That is a lot of orphans. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> what a joke, right? Am I right, guys? Because oh, orphans are heroes. You know, they grow up to be here. I mean, Oliver Twist. I mean, come on. I mean, where, you know, where do you think they, they didn't create this story out of thin air. I mean, they had to have some inspiration from yeah. somewhere. John Favreau's Elf. Yeah. See, there we go. I know. There's the, the connection. There's the connection. Yeah. Immediately. I immediately yeah. thought of that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, Baby Yoda, uh, again, yeah. with this this feels better than ewoks and uh porgs well porgs were like so like clearly in just your for face. toys there yeah. was no there was no relevant there, no, there was no relevance all. to the story right it was just oh let's create some kind of cute and the same in, thing with in the a e gag for and the, and the ewoks yeah. were a lot of, similar in that way too at i least, mean the ewoks did have a little bit more story weight than yeah, the porgs did but oh least. my goodness still it was like oh you're just creating a teddy bear so yeah. that you can sell it. I mean, it was just, it felt like that. Right. And when it's so obvious and on the nose is like, 
Like no, no. Give me Baby Yoda. Yeah. It doesn't. It, baby Yoda. One Yoda. Baby Yoda doesn't feel like we're trying to sell toys. He's a relevant character right. in the story, and we're still figuring that out. You know what does feel like you're trying to sell more toys though? What? Giving him a different colored armor, <laughs> so that now you can have two Mandalorian action figures: one with his brown armor and one with his silver armor. That feels like you're just doing it for toys to me. Oh, well, I didn't. That's interesting that you got that. Yeah, I, I didn't that was get my that first thought. I was like, because I thought they were just going to stop at the shoulder piece. Mm-hmm. But then when he brings in the whole thing and they're like, I can make a full suit of this. I'm like, you're making toys. <laughs> that's what this, this is toys. Somebody said, look, you need to have two versions of your main character so that we can get toys out of this for Christmas season. Okay, cool. And then they wrote it in. Now, I'm not saying they didn't like write the it in. Like shiny armor and then the beat up armor. Right. And- yeah. I'm not saying they didn't do a good job writing it in, but it it definitely came across that way to me, at least. I, yeah, I didn't get that. Yeah. I, I was curious to, to uh, and you know, and that even the details of that story of, you know, the, the armor is still kind of unfolding, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't realize, like, the kind of the backstory with the other Mandalorians and them being a little maybe jealous, but then also a little they're like kind of leery of using Imperial, yeah, there was money or whatever. Well, I guess but it's the not really issue money, was but. is that the, the, at least what I picked up on from episode three was that the the Imperial credits, yeah, that were mined what was stuff that was ripped off from the Mandalorians right. originally, yes. So, so they, they consider it like, oh yeah, it, it's like blood uh, Nazi gold, yeah, kind yeah. of in a way, you yeah. know, uh, that very very reminiscent of that, you know. Um, yeah. If you're unfamiliar, back in the 30s and 40s, um, when Nazis were a thing, okay, well I guess I have to preface that by saying Nazis first were a thing. Um, yeah, they they would they took everybody's jewelry and and gold and and then they melted it all down and then they made these gold bars that have the um, uh, iron swastika and then the iron uh, eagle or iron whatever oh, it, yeah. the whatever it is but whatever their eagle symbol was but mm-hmm. um and now it's like illegal gold like if you come across it you actually are supposed to um forfeit it or whatever and i don't i don't know if they give you money in comp in uh, compensation <laughs> if you come for across it, but, it you melt it yeah down i was gonna say if you come new. across <laughs> it, you melt it down and make it whatever um <laughs> but yeah I, that that was very much reminiscent reminiscent of of history which is right, very yeah. star wars yeah. again um stormtroopers are literal stormtroopers and um yeah it it's been it's been refreshing again i mean we i think we've talked about this probably to death with only three episodes but um, I'm I'm excited to see where this is gonna go. Yeah. Baby Yoda's awesome. Um, I think the cinematography is well, great. And where's he going? Where's he going? Like he 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 takes the asset, yeah. right? The, the the child, the child, and then which is 50 years old, which I'm kind of entertained by. Considering yeah, I'm 50. I'm sure you are. <laughs> I'm like, and yes. you're you act about as young as him. So, oh well, uh, maybe I have the same force. There's power. there's another. You watch out. Okay. Well, that would be that's very <laughs> Sith of you to say. <laughs> Um, the, there's another podcast I listened to and they were, they were talking about if, uh, if which podcast, by the way, uh, the weekly planet, weekly planet, dude, let's shout them out, dude. No, they're, I mean, they're awesome. They're already listening to it. They, if yeah. you're listening to this, you're probably already listening. Like weekly planet is the best nerd comic book movie podcast out there. Like yes. it, it's, it's the best. Yeah. But, these guys are from Australia. Yeah. And yeah. super entertaining. Oh my and, gosh. Um, they do a lot of YouTube content and too. You, and, and, and if you haven't, 
found them, which yeah. is would be shocking considering <laughs> yeah. you know they're awesome. Um, go check them out. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um, but they were, they brought up a really good point of uh, if if Baby Yoda is fifty, yeah, then real Yoda being like nine hundred nine hundred something years old, yeah, is basically just a teenager. <laughs> so he's like he's like a teenager when he's given anakin and luke crap about like you know in in yoda years oh yeah in like yoda he's, years, he's basically yeah. just 15 yeah like <laughs> but then that also means that i mean it's like dog years you know he's right i don't know how it works actually because, well no because so it's from, the other way from um so we first see yoda in empire empire right and he does the training yeah. Um, and he's supposed to be 900 years old at that point. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah basically. You know, and that was towards the end of his, his life, even though he yeah. shows up. Which is what returns. I'm saying is like, I guess it's dog years because. So they live about a thousand years. He's 900 ish. our years, but only 15 his years. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's It's really interesting to think of. Like well, that was old my man Yoda actually not really being like old. Well, that man. was my favorite part of um, the Last Jedi was Yoda coming oh, back to troll yeah. Luke. Yeah, like he totally trolls him, right? And it's fantastic. That I mean, I, I had I was that. grasping at finding things that were that would entertain yeah. me because I was really disappointed on a lot of levels, but that was one that really stood out to me. I all the tro- all, about all the trolling in that movie is really the. The, the entertaining pieces that stitch it together. Uh, but anyway, so Yoda, baby Yoda. I, Where's I'm he going? A, I'm, I'm Where's the Mandalorian I'm going? I'm going to stop you real quick because Where? the trolling in Last Jedi is terrible. But the, he, the, the, the your mama like <laughs> prank phone call at the very beginning. No, that was, is that was awful. Bad. That was bad. Okay. But, but Luke's force projection, yes. trolling Kylo, Yoda's trolling of Luke. The, those, You're using those trolling are, a very loose term. I am using it very loosely, yeah. but, you know, just, you know. Um, but anyway, back to the Mandalorian. Yes. Where is he going? Where he takes he takes the child. Yeah. He takes it, it was, Yiddle, he's flying he off into space. And I look at my wife and I go, oh, man, where are we going? Credits. Yeah. I'm like, oh, come on, yeah, man. I know. I'm like, yeah. where is he going to go? I, I'm really curious. Because all, all of the bounty hunters... Things go off, so they know that right. All the, that the thing is that is is back. Yeah, which I'm, you know. Anyway, anyway. So where, where's he going? Does he go? And also the guy that wanted him, the guy with the glasses, he has a a clone trooper insignia on his sleeve, which means that he wanted. I think the to, doctor. Yeah, the doctor. Mm-hmm. He has the whatever the clone company or whatever is called mm-hmm. uh, i can't remember from from attack of the clones uh it's uh, it looks like he wants to maybe clone, to clone yoda trying, yeah they're little baby yoda whatever um well apparently they got they already got the dna it, it seems sounds like it, it seems yeah. like they already and then he was trying to he fought to keep them alive for right reason so yeah because i guess Werner herzog which by the way Werner herzog if you don't know uh, he's a German director who yeah. predominantly does uh, documentaries, but he acts every once in a while. He's so good in this. Yeah, uh, he's great and he's menacing and he's terrifying and his accent is terrifying and I love it. And um, yeah, he his character basically was like, well, it can be dead. We just need the DNA. It doesn't matter. So right. it sounds kind of like the the doctor guy might be 
a little bit of like he he might switch sides you know eventually yeah, and that I actor's mean, not an unknown actor either yeah he's been in a few things and um yeah so i'll be interested to see kind of where that character's yeah. gonna go all right let's move on move on we talked a lot about the mandalorian we sure did um and disney plus and disney plus and, and disneyland yeah. and uh what have you been have you been watching anything else though before we yes what have you been watching? Okay, so I, I finished season two of Fastest Car. Okay, yeah. Um, another which another there, supercar there win. Was, which Tesla. So oh, yeah, I watched right. the last episode and then the, the final championship, and they they raced a Tesla. So apparently, I, which I didn't know this, there's this kid who has a Tesla, um, and his dad got it for him. Um it's the S, right? It's the S P one hundred D. Yeah. And so it's like I was kind of hoping they would have done a Roadster two point eight. Well, the new Roadster. Oh, it's not out yet, though, is it? It's not out yet. Right. Would be perfect, and I yeah. bet you it's coming. Um, and I hope Elon gives this kid that car. That would be so because he has a YouTube channel and he. he oh, that's he, right. And he yeah. does this whole thing, and which is cool. Which you know, I, I appreciate that. Um, so you know, watching that was cool. Because I've kind of have this renewed vibrance for auto racing, yeah, and uh, and you know we've, we've talked about cars in the past, and uh, and and at the wedding last night, I got to ride in a Ferrari for the first time. What model? Um, it was a three sixty Spider. Oh, mm-hmm. um, it's been pretty dormant. I've I've been into cars for a long time i've tuned cars i've been in european car magazine back in the day um i did uh some road racing with a audi i did uh drifting for a few seasons with um this uh jdm sylvia and um so i was excited and so shout out to ben for giving me my first ride in a ferrari last night in a 360 spider which was it's pretty awesome. That's really cool. Um, now I've I've sat in a GT40 before. Yeah, and it's it's not comfortable. No, the car is not built for comfort. It's no. super low to the ground, which uh, it's only forty inches, which is hence the name GT40, which I didn't right. know. Yeah, and uh, and it's it's not meant for people over the size of six feet. For sure. Yeah. So I'm just under six foot. So it worked as far as length and headroom wise, but man, it wasn't comfortable. And I love that car. I've, I've, I'm like, it's one of those fantasy cars, you know, and it's like, it just looks so sexy. And it's like, dude, it just eats, you know, it's a supercar killer. Yeah. And it has, I mean, it was, it's a pure, racing car yeah that was its only job from the 60s originally yeah. ford then you know brought it back in 2006 and so um and i sat in one and was so my heart sank because i wanted one yeah it felt and a little I'm more like, commercialized and i'm like i wanted one and then when i sat in it i'm like i would never drive this oh, yeah i mean uh, maybe for a track day but you know it's like those are so far and few in between i'm like I, I wouldn't, I mean, it's cool, but no. Yeah. And then sitting in the, and riding in the Ferrari last night, it was like, oh, yes. This is very different. Because it, yeah. it, it is, it's still a very much a performance car. 
but it had creature comforts. Right. Right. Like you could comfortably sit in it and drive around town and feel like it, I'm not trying to do yoga to get in it and yeah. out of it. And yeah. So anyway, that all to be said, Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah. So this is two weeks old now, or maybe yeah, just it's a week. Two weeks. It's on a second it, this is the second weekend. Um, so it was already out of the big theater. Um, where I, it's where I go, well, the big theater, like the, the large Sydney one is, Oh, right, right, right. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we saw it on another, another screen we saw it in the, the normal size screen and sorry, but we shot, uh, we, we sat three, three seats, three rows back. So it was basically as big as the screen could possibly be because this, this showing was sold out. Yeah. I went and saw it in IMAX. Week. Oh, I'm sure that was amazing. And here's the thing. Um, my wife is not big on going to the movies yeah. because she usually falls asleep because it's dark and comfy, not because of any not lack of, you know, cinematic experience. And the chairs have gotten she, better over the years. Yeah, she's just, it's like an expensive nap for her. And that's, her, those are her words. Okay. Yeah. And she came out of the blue and said, Ford versus Ferrari, I want to see it. I'm yeah. like, yes. Yeah. Like it was a resounding, like when it wasn't like, okay, let's go, let's figure out. It was like, when can you make this? When, when is right. a good time for your schedule so that we can make this happen? And we did. And it was great. Yeah. IMAX. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Um, I, I I read something and I cannot remember where I read it. And I tried to find the article. Maybe it's been redacted um, because uh, I originally read something that this didn't use any um, computer generated vehicles. Mm -hmm. um, but then watching it last night was very obvious that there are some computer generated vehicles in it um, to actually kind of a point where uh, I wish they, I don't know, would have just gotten a little more creative um, with the crashes or something because it was, to me, it was a little jarring to see real cars so much throughout yeah. most of the beginning of the right. film. Yep. And then you get into the Le Mans race and there's a couple of wrecks up top and it's just like, oh, wow. Like you, 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 you really tell that it's not a real car crashing and if it is real then i don't know why it looked fake to me maybe it's the digital 4k you know resolution of the projection system in the in this in the in the theater i i don't know but it definitely was like it it, it took me out of it and i think i only had that issue because i had read right that article saying right. that there wasn't any yeah. um which I, again, I cannot find now. So I'm, I'm wondering if maybe they were incorrect in reporting that. And so now that is gone, but, um, it didn't get, I, you know, you, you had shared that with me before I had seen it yeah. and, and I wasn't looking for that. This is the thing is, is that, that the, the way that they crafted the sound, oh yeah, the way that they stitched it all together, you know, with it, with the editing and the storytelling, it sucked me in. Yeah. Like I was, I was all in and to get me to, to, to pull me in past seeing behind the line is that's a good movie. Yeah. That I'm like, you're, no, I don't, you I don't are, disagree. You are so winning right now. Yeah. And, it's definitely one of the best this year. I and, think. and I was like, I was so pulled in and I mean, I have an affinity for that, that story for show, uh, uh, Carol Shelby, Carol Shelby and, yeah. and, um, you know, the Ken miles and that whole thing. And, um, yeah, 
You know, it's, um, I just, I was totally pulled in and, and immersed into this story emotionally, like right out of the gate. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was, it was well done. I think a lot of that, and I'm not going to discount the director, but, um, so much of it is Matt Damon and Christian Bale. Dude, the chemistry They're between so those guys. Good. Yeah. Is was this the amazing. first movie they've done together? I, I don't know, but please do more. Yeah. Because the chemistry was fantastic. I, I mean, I hope they worked love loved working together because I would I would watch a dozen of these movies yeah. where they're opposite each other. Yeah. Um Christian Bale is again, you don't even have to say it anymore. He's he's phenomenal yeah. in it. His ticks and his quirks and his little mannerisms that he does to just yeah. take acting to another level where you're yeah. just like this this guy's not even he's not he's beyond anyone i mean there's maybe other, four other actors that are in the same league as this guy yeah my my wife asked me she said who do you think's a better actor christian bale or joaquin phoenix i think they're in the same league yeah. though that's yeah. that it's it's like joaquin yeah. phoenix christian bale um uh oh gosh what is his name uh paul thomas anderson uses him all the time um uh, there will be blood oh gosh what is his name uh my left foot ears screaming it if you're listening to the podcast daniel day lewis <laughs> yeah daniel day lewis um yeah those three guys i think and there's there's a couple that i'm probably forgetting but um they're they're in another league yeah i, I yeah you you can't you can't even look at them without yeah. just well, I mean, the transformation that Christian Bale has when he did um, Dick Cheney was yeah. was like, it was eerie Yeah, that it, it, he was so good. I guess he just like, recently came out and said that he won't be doing that kind of stuff anymore or he'll die, but, which is not surprising. Right, because the, you know, just changing yeah. your body that, to that degree is, is pretty extreme and I'm yeah. sure it takes a toll on you, but... Um, I feel like this movie is the first time I've seen Christian Bale in probably 15 years actually look like Christian Bale probably would naturally look. Yeah, but but even because this is of his skinny, a, because yeah. his acting, yeah, yeah, his maybe closer to his normal body yeah. type, but um I mean, Ken Miles was a little bit well, significantly taller, but I mean, just the the way that he captured um the essence of who Ken was. Yeah. I mean, so I also watched uh 24 hour war, right. Which is a documentary on Netflix about the same story. So you get a lot of the historical value and they interview. Um, and so you get more of the historical and stories. Sure. Then they interview people. They interview Henry Ford, the third, which is the grandson of the second. Right. And they interview Enzo's son, who's kind of over Ferrari now. And, um, and they, so they, they, you get this great kind of unique perspective, you know, documentary style from sure. behind the scenes as, and you and the story is, I mean, it's right on the money. It's crazy. And, um, but yeah, it's it was, I I don't even know. I mean, just the the then they have footage. They have actual footage right. from back in the sixties, um, and Christian just captures the essence of of Ken. Like you're like, oh wow, I mean, you, yeah, 
It's the guy's amazing. It, it's amazing. He, he's amazing. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if either of them are up for best actor this year yeah. or whatever. Or both. But yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Or both. And um. I, I want to talk about one thing though, really quick. Was that the um the color grade? And when I when I say what I'm about to say, I don't mean it in a negative way. Um. I mean it in the most positive way that I can think of is that the color grade was very like normal very like on the on the nose very kind of like um i don't know like historical feeling mm -hmm. in the sense yeah. of um it was graded just kind of straight and there wasn't like a a fancy grade on the the opening scene where carol is you know still racing um and like to make it feel older or anything like that. There wasn't a interesting hue on the overall look because it took place in the sixties. Like right. it felt very straightforward in the grade. And I loved that it, a lot of it. And it's because of the time period as well. I would, if, if these weren't so long, I would watch this and once upon a time in Hollywood as like a double feature. Yeah, for sure. They feel yeah. in the same world Yeah, up until, you know, once upon a time in Hollywood's, last 15 minutes but um <laughs> for the most right. part like they capture that 60s yeah so well and and the the la like the yeah. the los angeles kind of kind of warm uh california look yeah and yeah. and the grade is is perfect well and for somebody who grew up there yeah um and you know i lived there 42 years of my life and 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 watching that was one element that I did pay attention to. Sure, as far as technical aspects of it, and it didn't it didn't throw me off like the 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 building facade, yeah, yeah. the the all the cars in the background, right. Um, being a car guy, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the at the yeah. background cars. Well, that's a '68. That's not a '66. Right. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but it was. It was so well done. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> like I, I was totally taken in. I was yeah. like, I'm like, yes, I am looking at those cars, but not to try to find something, but to appreciate the detail right. that they went to to really make it feel time specific. Yeah, and. Um, and yeah, they did such a great job. They, you know, from the costume designers, and you know the the clothing, the um, just even the set, set decoration design. of like yeah. the, uh, like Ken's house. Mm -hmm. You know, very much like yeah, a, just, what is what is '60s California. You know, yeah, that carpenter style. Yeah, yeah, it was. And I'm like, what street is that? And I'm like trying right. to figure out where it was. And yeah. I'm like, God, is that still? You know, and those places are still there. Sure. You know? Yeah. I think the strongest point, you know, the strongest part of this movie is definitely the the acting, the characters. Um, more, I would say, than, you know, the special effects or the racing. Because that's what carries it. Well, and the sound, you know? too. The sound design uh, is incredible. The, the, sound, the sound is so well done. You feel like you're in the car. Yeah. It's very loud. Um, but the uh 
We're, we're not really spoiling anything. No, I mean, there's a couple of things that we probably shouldn't talk about just yeah. because. Um, yes. But yeah, I mean, I think. Forgive a spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah, the sound really pulls you in. This, I, I mean, yeah. the, the the sound of, I mean, you feel like you're in the car with Shelby when he's in his race and he's kind of. Yeah. You know, the one that got me the most every time, every time they did it was when Carol got into his Cobra and mm-hmm. turned it on uh-huh. and it was just like, Whoa, like yeah. it was, mm-hmm. I mean, it was, the, it's great. It's accurate. It is. Um, and, and you feel, you definitely feel like you're on the street or mm-hmm. in the car with yep. these guys as they're going through it. The shifting, mm-hmm. um, the whine of the RPMs, er- mm-hmm. everything is just like, it's so engrossing and like. It's so powerful. And it is, and if, and if you've if you've heard a GT40 or if you've heard yeah. a Cobra start up, that's exactly how it sounds. Yeah, that's I mean, it, and I I'm mean, sure they they straight up recorded those. Sure, but to be able to convey that in a theater, yep. um, accurately, and then you have that connection to yeah. it. Yeah, there is something to be said about yeah. that. It's not just dropping a sound file in the edit. You no. know, and then there's you, a way to and, do and it. the way it was shot, and um, and it just felt you 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 can almost feel like what it feels like. Yeah, to the adrenaline yeah. rush. It's almost like an IMAX. Uh, like you remember the IMAX NASCAR experience yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. It's a lot like that. I did see it in IMAX, so maybe yeah. that helped too. I'm sure it did. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we're at uh, we're we're at peak car chase like camera angles now. We can now do whatever we want. Yeah, with uh, you know Russian arms and uh, these motocranes and and, yeah. and putting a camera that can be otherwise you know basically disposable anywhere in the car. There is yeah. a there's a scene in the movie where um, I think I think it's one of the Ferraris. Um, he wrecks at Le Mans. And it goes into the camera, and you can see the car hit the camera. Like it's clearly, mm-hmm. it clearly hits the camera. Well, I'm friends with a, a Panasonic rep on Facebook, and he posted the picture of that camera. And it was funny because I saw the picture of the camera before I saw the movie, mm-hmm. and now knowing like where that was in the movie and and what actually happened to it, like it's amazing that they were able to pull the footage off of that card still and it was usable and it was this panasonic uh, eva1 mm-hmm. that they basically made as their crash cams um because they're small enough and they have uh like 5.7k you know resolution or whatever and uh yeah it, it was amazing to see um just the the whole top part of the camera body just ripped off and just things missing out of it <laughs> but they got the shot and yeah. that's all that mattered you yeah. know and which is so cool that yeah. that they weren't afraid to damage gear, right? And they weren't afraid to wreck cars. Yeah, I mean, I'm, which is which is a nod back to you know the older school of filmmaking. Yeah, right. You know, we've we, we're in an age where oh, you don't have to. They used to wreck real cars. Right. They used to have real explosions, and there's less and less of that now because of the technology. You don't have to necessarily spend the money or waste money on damaging real physical things right you can do it in in after effects you do it in cgi you can do it in all the yeah. you know in this and there's a safety to it also you know, sure but. and so there's a lot of reasons why you wouldn't do that but it was it was kind of cool to see them like no we're gonna do it for real yeah i mean it's it's clearly like a bunch of kit cars sure um, which if you're unfamiliar a kit car is basically it's a cheap car 
chassis replica and it's a replica and then the uh the top part that looks like the actual car is typically um fiberglass fiberglass or or polyurethane or something and um they just set it on top of like an acura or a a, a, a vw yeah or or a volkswagen or something um and then you get the shot because none of these cars are actually doing 220 miles an hour. Right. Um, you know, it's all camera trickery. So as long as you can get it looking, you know, pretty similar, the wheelbase is the same width or whatever. Right. And yeah, you could you could throw a GT40 body onto a Ford Escape or a Ford uh, Ford uh, uh, or Pontiac Focus or, something. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it would it would get the same you know idea across. But yeah. Um, I think, you know, it's like I said, peak, peak cinematography for cars. Um, it's incredible angles that they can do now. Um, I think the, um, you know, we're, we're always talking about on this podcast, like what works. Um, and last episode we talked about, um, a, a movie that had no story, no character interaction, no, um, nothing you cared about. Right. Um, with, uh, our, our, from the bin segment in this movie, uh, it was two and a half hours long and it felt like maybe an hour and a half just right. because you are so bought in. You're so yeah. connected with the characters right out of the gate. You, you can tell like you just you immediately get connected with uh, Matt Damon's Carol Shelby, like mm-hmm. with his heart thing. And you can see yep. his, his passion that he has for racing and how he can no longer do it. Right. And, um, it, you know, you know, it's, it just goes back to storytelling and it's yeah. good storytelling. It is great storytelling. And, um, I'm, I'm excited, uh, for movies like this. Um, you know, this has kind of been, it seems like a year for a big year for mid to not high budget, but low to low to mid budget movies. This, I, I don't think this was a low budget. This, I think it was like a hundred million, which is, um, a lot, but still, I mean, a hundred million for a car movie. That's, Fast and the Furious is like a two hundred million dollar movie, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's good to see these kind of story character focused movies. Um, yes, the cars are cool, and it's it, it's basically you know it, it's a story centered around a car, but it's the characters and the structure of that 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 keeps it interesting and, and is awesome. Yeah, and if you're into racing, you know that's a that's an iconic yeah. racing, the heritage, the story behind that. And even in the documentary, apparently, be, because there's a juxtaposition between Ford and Ferrari. Ferrari was 100% about the racing and was building racing cars to be the best car it possibly could be. Yeah. Not a production car, not a car for the general public, not, not, a, not a car that they were trying to sell. That came later, and Ford was the exact opposite. They were in the business of selling cars to the general public. You know, comfort was the, a bit. You know, it was more like a living, uh, a rolling living room, right? And um, it wasn't about performance. You know, and then you you get into um, apparently all the the car manufacturers came together um, because of you know, different safety issues and whatever. And they were like, okay, we're not going. And I don't, I don't a hundred percent understand or agree with the, you know, but it was a sign of the times. They made an agreement, a gentleman's agreement that they weren't going to make um, racing cars. So they were involved in racing and then they, they canceled their racing programs. And we're talking about GM. Um, 
for the, the American manufacturers the, yeah, made an agreement. The, yeah. Oh. So and and in and, like the eighties? No, this is we're talking about in the fifties. Oh, oh, you mean before? Okay, yeah. got it. So late fifties, early sixties, yeah. they're like not because well, NASCAR was coming up. Yep. And, but the thing was, was, is that, you know, there were safety issues yeah. and, you know, and race, you know, you're encouraging people to race and the, you know, the seatbelts weren't a, a really big thing back then. Right. Um, and, you know, they wanted people to, you know, kind of leisurely go down the street and, and they didn't want their, their customer base dying on them. Right. Um, but GM went behind the other manufacturers' backs and created the Corvette. Right. And so okay. the Corvette yeah. was dominating all these races in the early 60s, you know, the SCCA and all this type of stuff. And um and they're and they're like, what what the heck? And so you know, for Ford to make that decision, you know, it was kind of going against this agreement that they had. And, and yet, you know, other, other manufacturers were doing, they were shady stuff. They were yeah. still doing the, the racing thing. They would just put it under another name. And right. They would put, you know, and which is why Corvette has always been under a different yeah. branch. Yeah. In, so yeah. it's not GM, it's Chevrolet. Right. Right. So Chevrolet was the, you know, and it, it's interesting to see how all these iconic things that we've grown up with, where what their origin stories were, yeah. and so you get a lot of that from from this movie as well as from the documentary, which is really cool. And um, and yeah, and then what you don't hear is is while Ford and Ferrari were battling it out during the the mid to late sixties, Porsches quietly coming up and then yeah. 1970 hits and the 917 destroys everybody. Right. Well, so. the thing that I thought was uh, interesting that I had forgotten was that McLaren is one of the racers yeah. for Ford. Yeah. And I had totally forgot that. So hearing the name, I was like, Oh wow. Yeah. This is 10, 15 years. Yeah, and Bob Mc Bondurant. Right. And I mean, yeah. And then Iacocca and all that. I forgot yeah, yeah. about that. And yeah. yeah. So uh, it's pretty incredible. Um, oh, uh, Bernthal, John Bernthal, who yeah. plays Iacocca in this. Yep. He's so good. He does a great, every time great he, job. the first shot of him, I'm like, yeah, all right. Mm -hmm. He's, he's soaking in everything that he's in. So, um, go, go check out Ford versus Ferrari, um, or Le Mans 66, if you're in Europe. Yeah. And, um, Oh, is that the name of it? Yeah. And that they're releasing it under a different name? Yeah. It's called something different. And, wow. Yeah. And, and 24 hour war. Oh yeah. The on documentary Netflix, right? on Netflix. You can go watch yeah. that tonight, which, um, it's cool because they also interview the next level of drivers, which ends up oh, cool. being AJ Foyt and Mario Andretti. Wow. And, and so th these are guys that are kind of the next generation of, of racers that are coming up yeah. behind behind these guys, which is really cool. Yeah. Well, I think Ford versus Ferrari is going to get uh, – it's a bunch of recognition come award season, um, which we don't care about, but <laughs> sometimes I think it's warranted. Uh, this movie's great. It's, it's – um, it's warm and like a like you connect with it. It's very storied, yeah. character driven, yeah. Uh, which is refreshing, you know. The movies that I've liked this year have all been very character heavy and very, um, you know, kind of slow. Not in, not in the pacing, but in like a, just taking their time to let you connect. 
Um, and I really appreciate that. And I, I hope people are taking notes because this movie is doing well. Um, yeah. Financially. So, you know, the theater a week later on a Friday night was packed yeah. in my theater. So, yeah. Um, definitely one of the loudest theaters I've been in in a while, uh, which is its own thing, not because of a bunch of young teenagers, but because of a bunch of. Was it the Dolby Cinema? No, but it was loud in the sense of the audience. Oh. Because um, oh. it's a bunch of older people yeah, yeah. who uh, clearly think that they're just sitting at home on their lazy boy watching mm -hmm. this and they don't shut up. But. Uh, that's the theater experience. So you get what you pay for, I guess. Uh, I can't wait to have my own 200 inch projector at home. And then we just stream everything except for Marvel movies and Disney movies. The only thing in the theater, but <sighs> I can't wait. It'll be an led wall. It won't be a projector. Oh, I won't mind that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Get the refresh rate. Right. I'll be okay with it. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I think that about does it. Eric, do you recommend Ford versus Ferrari? A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's go, a theater movie see, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Go go see that and go see Twenty Four Hour War. Yeah, um, and it doesn't matter which which one you watch first. I yeah. mean, if you don't know the story, go watch Twenty Four Hour War first, and then and then go to the, go see Ford versus Ferrari. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. I think they're both great. Um, I mean, I haven't seen Twenty Four Hour War yet, but it, if it's on Netflix and it's about this story, it's it's going to be great. So yeah. Well, Eric, now that we've talked about some movies and some Disney Plus, and let's talk about some gear. Yeah. Let's close this out with some gear talk here. Yeah. What has been going on in the gear world? Uh, you texted me last night a <laughs> yeah. couple of things. Well, okay. So the things that jumped out at me this week in the gear world was obviously the announcement of, of hydrogen being shut down. Yeah. The red phone project that had like potential... It was probably the the phone that I was most excited about, yeah. and had potential I, two years ago. And then I, it, yeah. I, you know, the the idea of it was like, yes, yeah, because I want to I want to film on my phone, and I do it all the time. Um, and if you're unfamiliar, let me let me just give a little yeah, yeah. quick backstory. So, Red Red Digital Cinema. Um, Jim Gennard, I believe I'm saying that last name right, mm -hmm. uh, is the original um, creator of Red Digital Cinema, CEO, or however you want to say it, um, owner, you know, of Red Digital. And he branched off to another section to start this phone, which they called the Hydrogen. Um, Originally, it was Hydrogen 1. Right. And then it just became and Hydrogen, it, yep. uh, Titanium and Hydrogen And then they uh, just dropped it. Like and they just their, dropped it all completely. Yeah. Um, it was announced like three years ago yep. or something like that. Yeah. And then uh, it was supposed to come out later that year. Yeah, and it got didn't. delayed yep. as Red does. And then it eventually came out. The problem with it was that by the time it came out, the Android operating system, the hardware that it was using was now three years old and yeah. everything else blew out of the water technologically. Um, and the issue was the whole selling point of the phone was that it was a modular system similar to their camera system yep. where you can add attachments. So right. monitors and batteries lenses. and lenses and sensor yes. changes and all this stuff. And they never released any modules for it. Right. And now we are here a year and a half after launch, I think. And, um, well, it, and they got distracted with the 3d part of it too. Yeah. The, you know. this, this four V four yeah. FV f file format, which was this, 
uh, air quote, uh, holographic 3D. Well, and, you know, because in both Apple keynotes, between the time they announced it and the time it was finally released, you know, the AR VR thing was a big part of the keynote. Right. And so they're, I think they were, now this is speculation, but it, it seems to have been that they're like, oh, we need to do something which delayed it further yeah. to to compete with that because that wasn't even something that they originally had thought of. Yeah, and ultimately it just didn't matter. It didn't. Not enough people Sadly. bought it. It was um, too expensive. It, it was, was like $1,200. At the time it was too expensive. That was before and, the $1,000 cell phone. Right. So... And here we are now with, you know, the iPhone 11 Pro is $1,100 or whatever. But, um, again, it's a totally different phone, uh, different system, different specs now. And, we're, you know, phones are much better than they were three years ago when this thing was designed and four years ago probably. And um, But the module system killed it. Not having what you promised, you know, it killed it. Um, they they were restructuring it, we found out, um, at Cinegear that – Red digital cameras, which was another division of Red, was going to inherit the right. Hydrogen. They, took, they took the project. They back. took it back. Yeah, uh, and then uh, what? A month ago, maybe um, Jim Gennard, uh, he comes out and he says, "You know, I'm, I'm getting." He's almost eighty or seventy. Oh, really? He's so much older than I realized. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Maybe seventy. Um, and he's like, you know, I, I had my first health scare or whatever of my life and he's he's like this really healthy guy that goes on like crazy safaris and stuff and not like hunting safari he's a he's an activist but um yeah he he's like i had my first health scare so i'm gonna finally i'm gonna i'm gonna retire so he which is i mean that's not saying a whole lot probably i don't think he's been doing much but on his island or whatever right you know he started oakley and red and uh, you know a few other things and he's an investor and entrepreneur and all this stuff and so he uh basically announces his retirement and then announces that uh the hydrogen program is being canceled yeah um at the same time so not a surprise but no like I, I would have liked to have seen maybe one more iteration. Yeah. If they would have gotten a V2 and yeah, then... That, V2, fix your OS. Yeah. Like, go for a more stable OS and and let's have some, I mean... Or at least get modules have, out. Let's have know. some lenses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Moment Lenses is crushing the, the lens attachment phone game. Yeah. Like, they really are. And they're not cheap. No. Um, but people are buying them and they, and they are, and there's an experience and they're, and they're doing a great job really selling the experience. And they actually have these photo trips, these moment photo trips where they're doing, they're taking a bunch of people and they're going to these really cool places. And that's cool. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, the, the, the potential, I was excited about the potential of what could have been. Yeah, there was a lot of potential, Yeah, I think, and a lot of interesting ideas with a, a camera company making a phone, and uh, ultimately it just didn't work out. So here we are, and that leads us into the next thing, though. So the red Komodo, right. which we've talked about before, yep. and um, just announced this week that it has anamorphic, anamorphic capabilities. Anamorphic support. A um, couple of shots of Global it. Global shutter. A, yeah, a couple yep. of shots of it on a, a Hawk anamorphic lens and then another shot of a DP in a car with a, um, a Sigma 14 millimeter uh, lens, which is not anamorphic, but still. Um, and this sounds like the their, you know, their pocket competitor um, in size, not money. 
Um, right. <laughs> because it's still going to be, it sounds like it's still going to be like a $5,000 camera. Now I, I bring in the connection to the hydrogen, not just because they're both red, but because originally when um, the Komodo was first being talked about, there was a, um, a sentence said by, um, you know, the, the current CEO of red. And he said that if you own a hydrogen, the Komodo will cost less than a, less than $5,000, which translated to me as you'll be able to use the hydrogen phone as a monitor, which was one of their module pushes originally, right? Cause it's got the pins on the back. And, um, now that the hydrogen is dead though, I'm really curious where that leaves you know, those people, or if they're just going to be like, well, if you have a hydrogen, you know, thanks for supporting us. Here's a thousand dollars off or whatever. Um, but still this camera, uh, if it's under five grand, I think it's still a little, it's still a little expensive. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would love to see a red at like 35 yeah. to four maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I mean, I know I'm asking a lot and I know it's a very different, I'm, I'm, com you're I'm not, kind of comparing, you're not asking a lot. I'm comparing apples to oranges a little bit mm. because a, a micro four thirds black magic cinema camera, pocket camera is very different than a super 35, uh, red code, raw, uh, multi frame rate, um, you know, anamorphic capability, red Komodo. Like they're very different cameras. One has sure. a lot more features than the other. Is it worth, here's the problem though, is the pocket is what? $1,500 mm -hmm. is, is the red worth another $4,000 more? That's where I don't think it is. Yeah. And I would pay maybe double the pocket price. At, thir at, at yeah, three yeah. grand to yeah. maybe 35. 35. Yeah. Yeah. I would pay that for the red ecosystem to jump into that. Sure. Because you're going to, you're going to pay a lot more because of all of the modules and all the other things, and media and the accessories and yes. that you're going to put on there. And that was, so on a different level, that was kind of my struggle getting back into the camera game, you know, uh, I had sold the, the A7S two last September, you know, and I've kind of gone a year just shooting on my phone and then recently jumped back in and I really wanted to get the, the Panasonic, the S1H, the, the S1H because of the capabilities and, but it was almost $4,000. Yeah. And then, and that wasn't, lenses that wasn't extra batteries that right. wasn't all the necessary things that go along with that and i'm like i just couldn't justify doing that i'm like uh no i wanted something small i wanted a mirrorless i wanted something i could throw in a backpack with the necessary accessories and i can just go and shoot whatever and so I ended up after our discussion, yeah. going to get the Fujifilm XT3, which I do not regret. Um, even though it's a crop sensor and um, it's not exact apples to apples, but it was only fifteen hundred bucks with a lens. Yes. Yeah. Now the lens, the I did get a couple Cheaper, of cheap right. lenses. Yeah. I didn't really dive into you know the the higher end Fuji lenses, which. I'm saving up for, I'll, you know, I'll make that plunge eventually, but I get more bang for my buck, basically going that route. 
Sure. Say, and, the, and, and we're in this day and age where as the technology continues to get better and, and faster and less expensive, these $10,000 or six or $7,000 cameras are going to become $2,000 yeah. or $3,500. And, and that's exciting because you're now going to be, for a lot of independent filmmakers, they're going to have more access to better quality. Um, that's, that's really cool. Um, maybe not so much for these manufacturers that are trying to, you know, push this, this, this higher end product, but these lower end and, and not to say that the, the pocket cinema camera is lower end in the grand scheme of things it is. Right. Um, but what it's producing is really raising eyebrows because the quality is there. Yeah. And just the technology is catching up. Yeah, yeah. As we continue to, they, you know, there's, <laughs> it, it's an exciting time for some and a scary time for others. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's all I can say about yeah. that. And, you know, yeah. obviously there's different, there's different audiences. Sure. Um, you yeah. know, the, the people that red is marketing to with that smaller camera, those are people that are going to rent or buy five or six of those and crash them in a car. Right. And not care. Right. Uh, that's what that camera is, you know, for to them. Yeah. Um, they're not, red is not creating that camera and marketing it for the independent filmmaker. Right. Necessarily. But I if mean, they want to continue, because there's the, the, the competition is pretty stiff. I mean, there's a, it's getting I mean, worse you're talking year, about, yeah. you're talking about, um, you know, Sony making great products. Yeah. Panasonic making great products. Yeah. Um, they, and they really jam jumped in like the GH four was the first one. Mm -hmm. And then, and then there's just like from then on, they just been full steam ahead now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, um, even on a prosumer level, these, the, the, the competition is getting, uh, more and more intense. Yeah. Um, which is great because it's driving the price down. So more people will have access to making, you know, they, they want, I mean, even with the phone now, I mean, come on, yeah. the iPhone 11 pro, they, they shot Selena Gomez's music video completely on that phone and it looks amazing. Yeah. And so gear is not an excuse. No, not anymore. Gear no. is no longer an excuse for you not to create great stuff. So it's really about the creator. It's really about the filmmaker at this point. And, um, but because the competition is so steep, you know, and people are being more budget conscious, we didn't even talk about the, you know, the laws that are going in place with the, the contractors and how that's going to affect the film industry. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about that next week, I guess. Um, but you know, the, the space that we're in is, is, ah, it, it's crazy. It's, yeah. it's crazy. There's Be a lot moving right now, a lot going yeah. on and it, it, it's insane. And there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of options. Cause even Apple who for a long time early on, was very specific to like the 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 graphic designer, the film industry or, or yeah. creative professionals. Um, 
and and they didn't become a trillion dollar company staying in that niche. Right. Right. So apply that to Red. A Red doesn't continue to grow staying in that niche. Like it has to grow into the independent filmmaker market because that's a much bigger market. Yeah. Now the budgets of those are a lot smaller. So, but they're still buying cameras. Yeah, exactly. I they, mean, they think of all the YouTubers, YouTube, Twitch. Uh, I mean, uh, streaming content is a hundred times bigger than studio content. Yeah, I'm not saying in in scale or budget, but the amount of it. Yeah, and the consumption of it. Yeah, for the sure. The amount of people that are vlogging their lives on, you know. Canon M10s or M5s or whatever. Yeah, the M50. Yeah, and the popular one. Yeah. All of those, all those vloggers, they need they 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 eventually upgrade. Yeah, they eventually get to another tier. They have, you yeah. know they're doing these makeup tutorials online, and there's a lot of MAUs online that are just like they started on these really small like Canon 60Ds and stuff. Yep. Well, you know what? Makeup has to look a certain way. Makeup needs to look a certain yeah quality. They're going to be upping their cameras. Yeah. Upping your cameras to a 6K camera is a right. heck of a way to right. highlight the makeup that you're doing. Yeah. And a lot of the top tier YouTubers and, and Twitch guys are using cinema level camera. Like, Look at Marquise. Yeah. Yeah. He's shooting everything on a Scarlet. Well, I yeah. think it might be an Epic now, but yeah. I yeah. Mean, it's, he's, he's, his, he's running a red shop basically, but, yeah. um, uh, uh, Peter McKinnon's got like the the high end C level Canon camera, right? And um, uh, Maddie does Haboya, uh, same thing. Um, yeah, and those guys. Yeah, I mean, they, they yeah. get the, once they get the budget for it, they're doing it. Yeah, and there's getting to be more and more of those kind of people. Yeah. Now that brings up a, another point, though. Um, is this, is it Copa? Is that what, is that what it's called? Yeah. C-O-P-P-A. Um, uh, I was just talking about this to, I think my wife and, uh, we were talking about, you know, how, how are people going to be making money? Because the, the YouTube bubble will burst. It has to. Well, that's that's kind of, well, it's what's currently kind of happening. Yeah. Did you watch that ways. video I, sh- I shared with you? Yeah, so yeah. I, I got into it. Um, there's another thing, too, is you had the, it was the last year, maybe the year before, you had the ad apocalypse. Yeah, that's happened two or three yeah, times now. right. And yeah. I think what a lot of people realized um, with that whole thing was that they need another source of advertisement that doesn't rely on YouTube because YouTube needs to make money. Yeah. And YouTube's not making money. Like, they're bleeding money, from what I understand because of advertisements and they're having to pay, you know, content creators for these advertisements. Um, they have to give them a chunk of it and, and it costs a lot of money to run YouTube and YouTube is the largest video platform in the world and all this stuff. Um, so as time progresses, YouTube is going to become more strict and, and loosen or not loosen, but tighten, you know, their, their handbook, their, their pocketbook um, to content creators because they don't, they're a business. They don't want to yeah. pay more than they need to right. for the content creators. I mean, it's not going to, they'll do as much as they can before forcing people to leave to another platform, basically. Yeah. And um, this, this Copa, um, if you want to give kind of like a quick highlight of it is kind of a part of that. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel like it's, it's, it's another, 
that's another notch in the uh, the bubble of YouTube monetization bursting. I sure. Think. And well, okay. So a quick uh, overview of kind of what that is is basically the FCC is um, cracking down on different application platforms that are gathering um, data uh, on children under thirteen. Yeah. Um, and and doing so in a way to that's obvious that so okay I'm gonna rewind a little bit and go to TikTok. TikTok got in trouble for um, gathering data on 13 and under kids without parental consent. Had to pay a 5.7 million dollar uh, fine for doing so, sure. and now they're now they're um, walking very closely with and that was you know for people in this country yeah right so for tiktok so there's only like five million tiktok users in the u.s there's 300 million total so three or five something crazy um and so you know if you're operating within a certain country you've got to abide by their particular laws and policies and whatnot and so that's the u.s policy and so um, obviously the U S is a big market. There's a lot of money here. And, um, so two things on that issue was that are they gathering this data on these users? Cause a lot of users are preteens and teenagers and, um, and what are they doing with that data and how are, is it appropriate or inappropriate? And which rightly so they should be doing that. That's their job. Um, the other part is, is, is that they're concerned about them because it's so ByteDance is a Chinese based corporation that owns TikTok and it's Chinese based. So they're worried about them throttling either back or forward the political agendas. So they'll, they'll delete or censor any kind of specific political focused one way or another. Yeah. And, um, and so that kind of plays into this thing because the FCC is looking at other apps that are doing some, something similar. And so YouTube has gotten in, in some hot water because of this same kind of child kid content marketing, you know, data mining, situation where they're and and they're selling advertising to companies like Mattel and Hasbro and that type of thing. And so, because basically the law says that you cannot harvest, gather, or distribute data from a minor under the age of 13 without expressed consent from the parent or guardian. Right. Which means it has to be in written form, yes. an email or something that's yeah. documentable. Yeah. And that hasn't been happening. No, no. I mean, you think of all the seven year olds that have their own YouTube channels. Right. And like it's not, it's well, not and one working. of the biggest YouTubers is, was a six year old from the Philippines reviewing toys. Oh really? Yeah. Huh. Like top 10. And, um, and so, you know, that's, there's some, concerns there obviously but again he's in the philippines different laws there does that still apply 
Well, YouTube is a U.S.-based right. company, so they still have to follow the the laws even when they're operating in another country. Um, but so YouTube's trying to roll out, you know, different algorithms to to identify this type of content. Um, they're putting the onus on the the creators to uh, to select whether or not they're producing child or kid content, right? You know, right. if it's a family vlog or whatever it might be, you have to identify that as opposed to them identifying it or misidentifying it, you know, because the um, the fines are in the tens of thousands of dollars. So they're basically saying this is the content creator's problem, not ours. Well, they're... It's not completely clear. It's huh. it's not. I mean, there there are <laughs> there are things that would suggest that right that that they're going to to fight the FCC. They're stirring up the pot with the creators. The creators are some of them are totally buying into it, and they're petitioning the FCC to back off. Um, you know, or you know, this. Uh, COPPA thing that's happening. Yeah. And I don't, I, it's, it's related with the SEC, but there's other organ, there's another um, organization, government organization that's involved. Anyway, long story short is, is that what's coming could affect other people that are producing content that isn't necessarily kids focus sure because where do you draw the line yeah they're trying to they're so youtube is trying to put the responsibility on the creators and like fcc was gonna is gonna find the creator specifically but and the youtube is just the host so they're trying to say hey we're not we're just providing the platform you know but at the same time like there, we don't there should be a reasonable <clears throat> expectation that youtube understands the content that's being on their website though like there should be yeah the yeah, that's some BS. Yeah, so that's that's kind of the whole thing right now. So now, now. you're going to start having content creators being sued by the government as opposed to YouTube getting sued because well, they could, YouTube's so like they, washing their hands and saying like, I don't know what that guy over there is uploading. Yeah, except Sorry. for they're selling the advertisement right. to those companies against that specific content that they know is getting yeah. this specific audience. So. Right. They're more involved than than that, and yet yeah. they don't want to give the creators the data or or give them how that they're getting to those things because they're kind. Of, that's I mean that's Google's thing. They don't want to give away right. their secrets. Yeah, and and yet at the same time they don't want to take full responsibility, but yet they're in a position where they they need to, and so they're stirring the pot in the sense of getting that. The, the government organization to back back off on the on the things but they're saying that the creators could be so it's it's kind of a hot mess right now <laughs> yeah and then I, I also kind of have a hard time it's gonna sound terrible but I have a little bit of a hard time feeling sorry for the child like aimed content creators in the sense of like Oh, your your free platform to upload your toy review is cracking down on how you're going to monetize your. I mean, like, I understand that this is a lot of people's livelihoods and in, in like incomes now. Sure, but YouTube could shut down tomorrow, and who cares? Right. In yeah. the sense of like, 
they don't owe you anything. That's that's true. Um, this is a website that was, you know, it was meant to to upload your your family videos to and and share them with friends across the world. Right. It, it was in in its originally like intention. It was never intended to do what it's doing now and right. to be this actual conglomerate media mastermind of everything that, you know, there's TV series and, and talk shows and I mean, all this stuff and um, visual podcasts and, you know, it, it's, it is no way like <laughs> the people, I, I have a hard time like getting on the same side as the people that write these, like, or do these videos where like YouTube is screwing up our, you know, money or whatever. And I, right. a part of me is like, Look, you're here because of YouTube and it's it's not YouTube's necessarily it's not YouTube's fault that you're now having to find another way to make money. Sure. Because one, YouTube is a business. Right. And two, it's a free hosting platform. Right. You pay nothing to pl- to host on YouTube. Right. Now, up if, to 8K footage. Right. Now, if you had to pay, totally if understand. You had, if you had to pay, yeah. And Okay, now there's now there's a different spin on it. There's an expectation. There is an yeah. Yes. There is an ac- actual but, expectation. But so. crying for like basically, I, I would equivalent uh, equivalent. Is that even a word? I don't know, but it is now. I would equate um, YouTubers complaining about not getting their their millions of dollars a a, a day to like a, a trick or treater going to a house and complaining about getting one less candy bar than last year. At the same house um because right. it, it's one it's free right two you're bringing the content to it so sure. go somewhere else yeah. or find another avenue or do like what corridor digital and corridor crew has done and they don't even rely on youtube anymore to youtube to find the advertisers and stuff they partner with other right. organizations to create content sure and, and a lot of creators do a lot of, that are on well, the, that's because that are on the, the top whole, end yeah. because they realize right. they know yeah. they know that YouTube's days of just funneling money for free to you is is numbered. Sure. And and it has been and they've yeah. been throttling that back for for a while now yeah. creating like 2 years ago they created um, more stipulations to be to get monetized, right? right? Like right. you had to have 4000 hours in a 12 month period which is like 250,000 minutes of it's viewing. It's um, a lot. Yeah. And, and you had to have a thousand subscribers. So you had to be somewhat relevant and creating content and you're not going to continue to maintain that kind of uh, engagement with, with the audience. Um, if you're, if you're not producing content now, YouTube is, is honoring you by producing and putting that effort in, by even offering monetization yeah, in the first right. place. Yeah. They They're, could just be taking all your money. Yeah, they, they can they can be taking Budweiser, all that advertising yeah, right. money. Um because it's their platform. Right. Um they realize they have no platform without the creators, so they want to partner with them. So yeah. it's a it's that's a good um gesture on their part to do to do that thing. It's definitely a good business agreement, and, yeah. Um I think where a lot of the a lot of the creators get upset is, is that they're not completely transparent. No, they're not. And they're not, um, as much as they want to partner with the creators to continue to get people to come back to their platform because of the content that these other people are are producing. And they honor them with 
the AdSense revenue or, or you know, whatever. Um, they're not completely forthcoming with how they get to where they get to. And so, therefore, the creators are, are really more relying on what data they do give them to be able to enter into these other partnerships with yeah. other sponsors, right? Like, obviously, if you're getting a million views per video, people are paying attention. It's going to be a lot easier. But there's so much more than just the view. Like, how does YouTube count the view? Is it after, like, five seconds? Is it after eight seconds? Now, and some of that data we know, and there's, um, you know, YouTube professionals and they, they give us that information and and YouTube does as well if you dig deep enough into the into the thing but they don't give you all of the data um, and then they've done a good job of giving you more but like you don't like yeah you just don't have like that's not their responsibility either at the end of the day. I know. So I don't I don't want know. to come across like we're we're sticking up for YouTube either. No. Um, no. I, I'm definitely, you know, on the on the majority of it I am on the side of the content creator. Um I I do appreciate that they have a platform. Um but if it came down to it, you know, everybody go back to the way it used to be where you had a website and you uploaded a video to your website server and it hosted yeah. there. And that's where you, you know, that's where and you show you your stuff and the you money, control, right. You spend the money on advertising yeah. to get that out there to drive the traffic and, you yeah. know. And so. that might be the route that we're going back to. Yeah. Um, you know, the internet has changed a lot to where. Um, I think a lot of companies are now like relying on YouTube and Vimeo and stuff to host their stuff. So they're not. Um, that's but, a scary place to be isn't it to rely on yeah. a third party yeah you know well, look um, at hydrogen i mean you relied on a phone and all of a sudden it's gone now yeah no support no you know it, it's yeah it's terrifying so uh, i don't think what youtube is doing with the uh, blaming or pointing the finger at the content creator about this copa thing is a good thing that's one that's that's really shady and two it, it's a dangerous like road to go down because w at what point do you draw the line on like where where is a where does a kid's YouTube channel start and begin? Because what if what if all of a sudden like our uh, our from the bin segment is watched by like two hundred thousand twelve year olds? Are we now a kids channel? No, no, we're not. That's the but danger. That's yeah. the danger of yeah. this whole thing in general. And then YouTube says we are right. because they give the data to the FCC yeah. and we say we're not because the content and then we get fined. Right. Because YouTube. We get demonetized. Right. And then we also get fined by the FCC. Right. And, and this is not $40, where it should be. $40,000 yeah. per video. Right. So this isn't where it should be. There, something has to happen here uh, a little more positive, but. Yeah. It just needs to be clear. Yeah. There's, there's some. You know, I think when this first came out, a lot of the the family based channels were were up in arms because uh, all our all our content's going to get going to get demonetized, it's going to get banned, or or throttled back, right? So there's <laughs> there's also an issue of what what you self claim. You know what what you, right. you you claim? Yes, I'm producing content for kids. Let's say it's not a, a Let's say our channel is not a kids channel, but we do. We have a video that we pull that's a kids video, and we talk about it, and it resonates with the kids. Right. Then which we, we don't potentially could have, and we don't yeah. select that this video is for kids. Yeah. And and so 
it doesn't get scooped up by the algorithm because they try to automate everything and it gets it, it gets uh um just uploaded with yeah, every it other gets video go, yeah. it gets blacklisted or ghost listed right. or whatever and so it doesn't you know it yeah anyway it's a whole thing uh it, it it's really a mess. is it's, it's a mess that needs yeah. to be figured out and um yeah. hopefully they will um you know there's a lot of advertisers spending a lot of money and um everybody wants a piece of it and as long as everybody gets a, a satisfactory piece of it, then I'm yeah. sure it'll continue and be fine. If I was an advertiser, though, I, I, I don't know why you wouldn't be seeking out the content creator directly. Um, as Some a, are. As opposed to, I mean, it is happening yeah. now, right? Yeah. Um, but I'm just saying in general, I don't know why any content creator, because if you, I feel like you could probably pay a lot less directly to the content creator um, as opposed to maybe paying 20% more because you're having to deal with like that YouTube fee, you know, as well. Mm -hmm. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing more. I mean, that would be the the logical step is for the creator. Yes. But then YouTube's got YouTube's going to have to answer that in some way, shape or form because then they're losing revenue. Right. I mean, they'll have to get yeah. their own advertisers somehow, but at yeah. least then it's not like, um, you know, Intel attached to, something that they didn't necessarily choose to be attached to. Yeah. Now Intel is attached to corridor or, you know, film riot or something. And it's like, it's actually something that they chose personally, as opposed to just, it's an algorithm that yeah. um, they choose certain keywords and it attaches to that, those kind of channels. Yeah. Um, because I think that's where the issue is coming in is YouTube's gotten so automated that if you had, if you had people, and I know, I know this is like almost impossible because there's just so many users now on YouTube, but yeah, you have that, that's sorry. Like that's your platform. Deal with it. Um, you, you need actual employees going through channels and marking things or having, you know, they're, they're talking to those content creators and they're like, okay, well, let's, let's, let's discuss what is your channel actually all about. Right. And all this stuff. But anyways, uh, we're at two hours now, so yeah. let's, uh, let's wrap this up. <laughs> Maybe um, this is two podcasts. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk more about this and then also the, the film, the film crew, uh, stuff that's going on. Oh yeah. California's yeah. friendly, you know, contractor Contract, laws, contract law. So we'll talk about that next time and, um, go see Ford versus Ferrari and get Disney plus and watch the Mandalorian both are awesome and uh, Eric why don't you close us out sure yeah thanks so much for hanging out with us and um, listening to us ramble on about all awesome things Star Wars Disney Mandalorian and Ford versus Ferrari you can find Zach on Instagram and Twitter at Zach Abbott's you can find myself on Instagram Twitter and YouTube at Eric Thurston and even more importantly, you can find the Easy Podcast on Twitter and Instagram at the Easy Podcast or on YouTube at the Easy Podcast Show. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or complaints, you can send all of those to Zach at the Easy Podcast Show at gmail.com. Perfect. All right, guys. We'll catch you next time. All right. See ya.